0: and welcome Pastor Lucas Connell as he comes and cheers this morning. Excellent. Come on, can we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Just keep going. Awesome, just... While you're standing just for a moment, because I just want to pray in just a second, but, you know, for those that maybe haven't heard my story, uh, you know, I, I wrestled with drug addiction for about 10 years of my life. Uh, I was injecting. I was mentally ill. I had drug-induced psychosis. The television would speak to me. The radio would speak to me. I was 23 years old. I was suicidal. I had no friends left. Like I said, I'm hearing voices. I'm heavily addicted to drugs. And at 23 years old, there was a lady that had prayed for me for 17 years that I would encounter the Holy Spirit. And, And at 23 years old, I went to a church and I went to a couple services, but that church taught me that I could actually encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, I didn't go to a church and find religion or just good teaching. I went somewhere that talked about the fact that God was real and that I could actually encounter His presence, that I could taste and feel, see that the Lord is good. And and, and it was one moment in my living room at 23 years old where if anybody that knew me would have talked about my life going somewhere really bad. But for the last 20 years, I've been all over the world and I've helped people get free of depression and anxiety and addictions and seen thousands of people saved. But see, it all happened because of a moment with the Holy Spirit. As a 23-year-old that literally had two weeks worth of theology, but a heart that was hungry, a heart that said, I need God to do some things in my life that I have been unable to do on my own. And I just sense today that there's some people, and maybe you put a Christian mask on, and, and but deep down you know there's some things in your life that you've been unable to deal with by yourself. And I want to just set the, the, the agenda for today. In the last few minutes of this service, we're going to pray. But it's not just going to be a fluffy prayer. We're going to believe for an encounter of the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe that He's going to shift some things in our lives that we've been unable to shift so will you put your hands and palms to heaven right now and if you will would you repeat after me say father Father, i come to you today i come with a hungry heart a heart to encounter you today i give you permission to do whatever you need to do in me i trust you that you're good that you want the best for me and i'm believing for this today In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise in this place. Why don't you grab your seats? Fantastic. Well, I'm just going to share for a minute, but I want to just pray at the end. And I'm going to believe with some people to see some miracles happen. And, you know, this message, I believe it's very relevant for today. It's called pressure test. Uh, Everyone say pressure test. And, And I don't know about you, but when I think of a pressure test in kind of you know, Christianity, I don't think of it as a great thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not at home and I'm praying, Father, I'm just believing for a season of pressure. You know, like they're not the prayers that I pray. But a pressure test is actually a very beneficial thing. You know, when uh, they extract oil from the depths of the ocean, a very expensive commodity, they use these uh, massive pipes that go down into the depths of the earth to extract the oil. But before they extract the oil, they do a thing called a pressure test, where they uh, pump mass amounts of pressure through the pipes. And they do that to reveal whether or not there are any cracks uh, or weak spots within the pipes. And when the pressure reveals weak spots, uh, they don't automatically discard or get rid of the pipe because the pipe is valuable. The pipe has a purpose But what they do instead is they send experts to that weak spot to strengthen and mend and heal so that that pipe can be used for the purpose that it was meant to be used for. Sometimes our Father in heaven allows us to go through seasons of pressure so that it reveals some cracks. It reveals some dysfunctions that have always been there, but the pressure brings them to the surface. But he doesn't do it so that he can then decide discard the vessel he does it so he can send the expert of the Holy Spirit who knows how to fix every dysfunction every weakness every addiction every struggle you know there was a young lady that I prayed for who is a Kiwi it was a number of years ago in Auckland and this young lady had just tried to end her life for about the 10th or 12th time she was around 22 or 23 years old and she'd been trying to end her life since she was 12 years old I preached in Auckland. It was a larger church. And it was the Sunday night meeting where they'd asked me to really pray for people and go for breakthrough. And we put the altar call forward that people that just need a breakthrough, and there would have been a couple hundred people at the altar. Uh, this young lady was in the psychiatric ward in Auckland, but had some good friends and kind of knew of the ministry that, that, that I spoke about and brought. And so they went and asked permission to bring this young lady to the service that night. They got permission and I still remember the night, I think it was about five, six years ago, and 200 people at the altar, but this one young lady that I didn't know completely stood out to me. It was like she was illuminated before me, and I went over, and I knew nothing of her story. But she was diagnosed with every kind of mental illness that you could possibly imagine. She had sleep deprivation. She couldn't sleep at night. She had depression, suicidal tendencies, anxiety, you name it, she had it. I walked over to her, and I grabbed her hand, and she was already weeping in the presence of God. And I said to her, I don't know your story. I don't know who you are. I said, but what God told me is what he's about to do in you right now is going to be so profound that you are going to have the greatest sleep that you have had in more than a decade. The power of God hit this young lady. She was so set free in that moment that she went back to the psychiatric ward so healed, so normal, that they tried to diagnose her with personality disorder. Because they, true story, they said, you can't be the girl that's been in here for the last couple weeks and now you're this girl completely set free. But she never went back to her old ways. This young lady's name is Jazz Thornton who has written books, they've made movies about her. She's one uh, New Zealand Young New Zealander of the Year. She's appeared before the UN. But what I want to say to you is no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it might seem, let me tell you that Jesus can bring you out of it. Jesus can break off whatever you're struggling with. You know, there's a man in the Bible called Elijah who uh, went through a pressure test and you know, if you don't know the story of Elijah, he starts off in a time where uh, Israel was ruled by an evil king and even more evil queen. He prophesies to the king that there won't be rain for a certain number of years. The, 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 the Israel goes into a drought, and he then goes to this place, Kirith Ravine, where he drinks from the brook and birds feeding from the sky. He then ends up at a widow's house where oil and flour never runs dry through the entire drought. It's a miracle her son dies and he grabs the boy and, and 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 the holy spirit brings life and brings him back to life and elijah's life it it hits this kind of crescendo this pinnacle where he stands on mount carmel and there were the 450 evil bow gods that represented the devil and he went against him and he said look you put a bull in your pit i'll put one in mine and whoever's god answers by fire is the true god and The whole nation had turned away from God. Israel had turned away from God. And Elijah stood there and fire consumed his offering. And they killed the 450 evil Baal prophets and the whole nation turned back to God. Who knows that a nation can still turn back to God? Let me tell you, God can pour out his spirit so much that a whole nation bows their knee to the king of kings. And And then there's this moment he goes from man of the hour leading a national revival and one word from evil jezebel that says by this time tomorrow you'll be dead and he ends up in fear full of anxiety he's under a tree he's now depressed he's burnt out he's suicidal he says god i'm done just kill me he then ends up in a cave see the cave speaks of escapism because often pressure reveals stuff that we don't like, and we look for dark places to hide so that we don't have to be confronted with the parts of who we are that we don't like. And he ends up in this cave, and God says, "I'm going to speak to, and then the fire, but God wasn't in the fire, the wind, but he wasn't in the wind, the earthquake, He wasn't in the earthquake, but the still small voice of God. And, and, and Elijah forgot something in the pressure test, that I want to just try and give you three things, and then we're going to pray. It's number one, when you go through a pressure test, you've got to remember that it's the word or the voice of God that sustains you. Right. See, watch this, e- Elijah, the way his life started, you know, there's a thing in the Bible called the law of first, where you look at the first to, to find out great clues about the particular story. He started in intimacy and closeness to God. He starts off hearing the voice of heaven, that it's not going to rain for X amount of years, and then he prophesies. And then again, he hears the voice in the drought, I want you to go to Kirith Ravine. And what does he do at Kirith Ravine? He drinks from the brook, a picture of the Holy Spirit, and he eats the food that comes from heaven, from the birds, a picture of the Word of God. And then again he hears the voice because there's closeness, there's intimacy, he's connected and the voice says now go to Zarephath where a widow will provide for you. Let me just sidestep for a moment, often your provision is not where you are right now but where God has called you to be. It's on the other side of your obedience. See, as humans, what we want is God, give me the provision and then I'll go. And God says, no, I want you to go and the provision will be waiting for you. That's why miracle offerings are so important because on the other side of your obedience is where the miracle starts to break out. But then he ends up at Zarephath and what does he do? He eats and partakes of the oil which is again the Holy Spirit, and the bread, which is a picture of the Word of God. And so the start of Elijah's life is one of intimacy, one of connectedness that leads him to this pinnacle where he literally takes down the devil, leads a national revival. And it's one of closeness. One, one, in a sense, he's living out of the overflow. But then in 1 Kings nineteen one to 4, I'm just going to tell you, you can read it later if you want. But then one message from Jezebel comes that rocks this great man of God. I wonder if you can relate where one, maybe it was a text message that changed everything. Maybe it was someone that you were married to that, that, that had a verbal conversation or even left a note to say, the marriage is done, it's finished. Maybe you heard from a friend that your, your child was on drugs or you sat down with a doctor who presented a diagnosis that was terminal. Maybe it was with a bank manager or a boss that sat you down and brought a message that literally changed everything. And remember the start, we see this picture of him being close and connected and hearing the right voice. And because he hears the right voice, he keeps ending up in the right place. But this is the first time in the text where he listens to the wrong voice and he ends up in the wrong place. He ends up suicidal, depressed and anxious. See, the reality is if you listen to the wrong voices, you will end up in the wrong place. Listen, we're in a place in the world right now where the media wants to bring a whole lot of fear, a whole lot of trepidation. And if we keep listening, instead of listening to the word of God, that will keep getting me in the right place. And he ends up suicidal under this tree. He's, he's out of gas. There's a scripture that says the angels had to feed him. In other words, you've got nothing left in you, Elijah. You're, you're out of gas. You're burnt out. There's nothing left. And then he ends up in this cave and God speaks to him and he says, Elijah, I'm going to speak to you. A- a- and then he brings, if you remember, if you've heard the story, he brings the fire, but it says God wasn't in the fire. He brings the wind that literally broke wa- rocks, but God says, I'm not in the wind. And then he brings the earthquake that shook the mountain. God says, but I'm not in the earthquake. And then the still small voice of God. And it brings him out of his cave. Listen, when you're trapped in a cave of addiction, let me tell you, it's always the still, small voice of God that will bring you out of the cave. But it's kind of an unusual story because it would be the same as me saying to Pastor Adam, Pastor Adam, I really need to speak to you. It's urgent. I need to speak. But here's three ways of how I'm not going to speak to you. And then I'll speak to you. Like, that's kind of weird, isn't it? But that's exactly what God did. He's like, Elijah, we need to speak. But here's three ways that I'm not going to speak, and then I'll speak. So there's got to be a reason why God did that. See, see, how did Elijah start? He started off hungry for the brook, the, the, the Holy Ghost. He, he was hungry for the word that came from heaven. He was hungry to hear the voice. He was hungry for the oil and the bread. He was hungry for God. And then God speaks to him. And why did God bring fire and say, I'm not in the fire? Because Elijah, he knew about the fire. He was the guy that stood and called fire from heaven to consume that sacrifice. And what God was communicating to Elijah is, Elijah, you're not sustained by the things you do for me. Elijah, you're sustained by being with me. See, in other words, Elijah, yes, the fire, that's what you did for me. But that doesn't fill you, Elijah. Do you remember the brook, Elijah? Do you remember when you were first got saved and you were hungry for the word that came from heaven? You were hungry for the brook. You were hungry for the oil. It's what you live for. But now, Elijah, you're living for the fire. You're living for other stuff. He then brought the the breath that crushed the rocks. Why did he do that and say, I'm not in that? Because Elijah knew about the breath. He knew about the wind because he stood there with a lifeless dead boy in his arms. And he asked the father, bring him back to life. And he watched the breath of God bring that boy back to life. And again, God was communicating Elijah. That's the miracle you did for me. But Elijah, it's not what sustained you. Elijah, the thing that sustained you is me. It's my presence. It's my word. No man, no thing, no material thing can sustain who you are. Come back to the brook. And then again, the earth that literally shook the mountain. And again, why did he do this? Because Elijah knew about shaking political systems. He knew about shaking weather patterns. And again, God was communicating, Elijah, that doesn't sustain you. That's what you do for me. But the thing that sustains you is my still, small voice. See, when you go through a pressure test, you've got to remember that it's his voice that sustains you. The second thing that Elijah failed to see is this old school kind of principle, but it's so true. And it's this principle that new devils equals new levels. You know, sometimes we forget that we're actually in a spiritual battle. And, and we start to take ground. Like we give in the miracle offering. Or we start to work on our marriage and do it God's way. Or we start to tithe or start to, to, start to pray for a child that's off the rails. And, and we kind of expect that the devil's going to turn up to a house with flowers and a gift and say, I'm so proud of you. The new house that you finally bought or the... you st- you're like. Seriously, when you step up to new levels, then there's new devils. See, see, Elijah, watch this. It is Elijah killed the 450 Baal prophets that represent individual demons. As soon as he slayed the individual demons you know what happened next in the story is the atmosphere started to change and it began to rain upon people that hadn't even fought the battle see that represents when you in your life go after the brook go after the oil go after the word and you in your life say you know what I'm going to fight some personal individual demons you know what grandma had anxiety mum had anxiety aunties had anxiety I've struggled with anxiety but I'm I'm going to be the chain breaker i'm going to be the one that comes against the spirit of fear and when you overcome that spirit you know what happens the atmosphere changes for your children and now they enjoy the rain that they didn't even fight for So you trace my family line and you'll see addiction after addiction after addiction. But let me tell you, there's two boys on the planet called Josiah and Caleb Connell, and they're not living in that addiction because there's a mum and dad that said, I'm going to fight some personal demons so that my children can enjoy the rain. But he failed to see new levels equals new devils because he did this great feat and he defeated 450 individual demons, but now Jezebel was about to speak. You might say, how could it cause this man of God to be suicidal? Because she doesn't represent an individual demon. She represents a principality and a power that literally, when she spoke those words to him, they literally dripped with uh, oppression. They dripped with suicide. They dripped with depression. See, in this point, I always say we've got to understand this principle, but not be focused on it. See, I'm not focused on the fact of what the devil's doing. I'm focused on the fact that he's already a defeated foe. I'm focused on the fact that Jesus has already defeated him. But I'm aware of this principle because when I'm aware that new levels equals new devils, it makes me buckle down more into point one. The more that I start to step up, the more that I need to be sustained. The more I need to drink from that brook, the more I need to eat the word that comes from heaven. And then the last thing, just if the keyboarder could come, the last thing is, is the last thing that he did, failed to see is sometimes you've got to come out of your cave and get real with God. See, when pressure comes, I'm a visual person, when, when pressure comes, it reveals cracks of weakness, dysfunction, addiction, negativity, whatever it might be, family stuff, generational stuff. And when when pressure comes, I see this like crack and it's almost illuminated light bursting out of the crack. And before when there was no pressure, I couldn't see the crack. I thought everything was awesome. But now that there's pressure, I can't not see the challenge that's in me, the struggle. And that's where the temptation as humans comes to find a cave to hide in because I don't like the illuminated light that's revealing my dysfunction. I'd rather hide in a cave. And you know what, a cave for you, it might be 80 hours of work a week. You're talking about how much of a hard worker you are, but really you're just hiding in a cave. It might be a whole heap of social media or way too much Netflix. It might be food. It might be a substance like alcohol or some kind of drug. It it might be pornography. It might be something sexual. And we're adult enough in this room to know that some caves are more destructive than others. But let's get real for a moment. A cave's a cave. A cave's a place that you're hiding so that you don't have to deal with the dysfunction. You know, a great quote from an um, army seal says this, that pressure... When pressure comes, you don't rise to the occasion, but you sink to the level of your training. In other words, what pressure does is it just simply reveals where you're really at. And there's this moment where Elijah misses it, and God says to him, he asks him a question, and he asks him twice. He says, Elijah, why are you here? I feel like for some of you right now, Holy Spirit's saying, why are you here? Why do you keep finding yourself in the same cave? And Elijah gives this religious answer, which is often what we do because we want to keep our religious mask on. He says, I'm the only one that's zealous and it's this and that and them and everyone else. And then God asks him again the same question when he comes out of the cave. He says, Elijah, why are you here? You know, there's only one theological reason why God would ever ask you the same question twice. There can only be one reason. As humans, there's a few reasons. Sometimes I didn't hear you properly, so I'll ask again. God doesn't have a problem with hearing. Sometimes, and this one happens a lot in marriage, I don't understand what you're saying because we speak completely different languages. So I'll ask the exact same question in the hope that maybe I'll understand what you're saying. God doesn't have a problem with understanding. He knows your answer before you even answer it. The only possible reason why God could ever ask you the same question twice is because you gave the wrong answer. And he's a gracious God, and he's giving you an opportunity to answer in a better way that's more helpful to you. And Elijah misses it verbatim. If you look at the scripture, he he says the exact same thing, word for word. And then God says, okay, fine. Go and anoint Hazel, Jehu, and then Elisha will take over for you. Uh, I'm not going to harbor on this, but if you look at it, Elijah didn't anoint Jehu and Hazel, he only went and anointed Elisha. And Elisha did what Elijah was meant to do because there comes a period in time someone needs to hear this eventually if you won't come out of your cave and get real with God God will find someone else to do the thing that was your assignment to do on the earth now don't don't take that in harshness or Elijah's still in heaven still an amazing man of God he just missed all of what he could have done because he didn't come out of the cave and get real with God I remember a time in my life where God really did a number on me. We'd moved to America and it was a big move. I, I'd been traveling as an itinerant for five years and God, it was, things were happening. I was in the greatest churches all over the world and God says, move to America where no one knows who you, were, who you are. And it, it was a challenge. It was hard to get opportunities and bookings and that was the only way we lived. And, and, and we just pressed in and believed God. And then we had challenges of visas. I spent 30,000 US dollars in just trying to be able to stay in the country. And finally, we broke through after a few years. We started an online course that was helping thousands of people. We started to get opportunities to preach at great churches all over America. I was on top of the world. It was September 2019, and life had never been better. We were blessed financially. And then this guy, a Kiwi, came to ministry at our church called Mike Connell. And something about him, I just knew in my spirit that God told me, don't go away and preach anywhere. You need to get around him. And I asked my pastor, Jurgen Matesius, who used to be also here in New Zealand, and and said, you know, can I be his driver? And for three weeks, I gave up making money and I drove this older man, 70-something years old. And after day one, I'm on top of the world, but day one, I get around him and something starts to bubble. Insecurities rejection. Like I felt like I was a high school kid again. And each day I got with him, it got more intense and more worse. And and, and it's bubbling and building. And after two weeks, it's almost unbearable. He does this staff meeting, this staff retreat in our church. And he's halfway through and he's talking about rejection, and, and I'm already weeping in my seat before he's even finished, and he gets to the altar call, and I'm the first one there, and now I'm not crying, but like I'm ugly crying, you know, like like snot. And, and like I, There's people on that staff, I reckon, that are still in counseling today just because they saw me crying. And after about 20 minutes of just blubbering mess, he comes and he simply says, spirit of rejection and abandonment come off him. The power of God hit me. And I'd love to say to you that from that moment, everything got incredibly better, but it got worse. Because sometimes what true deliverance is, is to help you see a fault line that you are unable to see. But now that you can see it, there's the work you have to do to change it. It was literally a month later after you left. For four years. If you've never done it, you'll never fully understand. But the burden of being an immigrant not having that green card that at any moment they could tell my family to go and keep paying money and 30 grand when you're an itinerant. And there was this pressure that was on me the whole time. But finally, a month after Mike Connell had done this thing, finally I was at the finish line where we put the final papers in, four years, 30 grand, all the pressure. And I put it in and the lawyer rings me. And he says, you never told me about that drug thing where you got caught with $30 worth of amphetamines 20 something years ago. He said, that makes you inadmissible. You can never, ever get a green card in this nation. I went into survival paying $700 an hour for lawyers. Surely this can't be right, but to keep finding out it is right. It's probably the hardest season of my life where I couldn't get out of bed for almost a month. But each day I drag myself down to the garage where I'd try and drink from the brook. i try and find the word that comes from the sky. And after about a month of in absolute depression, I was in my garage and I'll never forget it. See, because what was God dealing with? Rejection. And it mainly stems from my father rejecting me. But now I wasn't being rejected by a man. I was being rejected by 350 million of them that were saying, we don't want you. Sent me into depression because of the fault line. I'll never forget as the Holy Ghost filled my whole garage. I began to weep. And he spoke to me. He said, Lucas, I had to allow it to seem like you'd been rejected and abandoned so that I could deal with the rejection and the abandonment in your life. You know, it was in that moment, even as a minister, that I realized that there were caves that I was visiting. And I thought the cave was the problem. But it was in that moment that I realized the fault line of rejection was the thing that kept driving me to destructive caves. And once God was able to deal with the fault line, and I just feel like right now, if you just stand to your feet, I feel like right now if God's speaking to you about a fault line, maybe just even as I've ministered and you're jelling with what I'm saying and you know there's some caves you're struggling with, you, you know there's some fault lines in your life, that you say, you know what, Lucas, I also need the love of the Father to heal. And, and I, the worship leader said it in, in hearts, and I saw this picture of fault lines and just the liquid love of the Father coming and bringing healing. So with every eye closed, if, if you'd say, Lucas, I, I, I know that there's some caves I'm visiting and it's time to come out and get real, or, or, or Lucas, I'm in a pressure test that's revealing dysfunction and weakness, and I need God to deal with it. If that's you, just lift your hands to heaven right now so many people. Here's what I want to do. We're just going to take about three minutes or so. But here's what I want to do, because I really believe the Holy Ghost is going to move. If you lifted your hand, and if you didn't, you know you should, I want you to quickly just come forward. We're not going to go long. Just come out of your seat right now. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian.